Welcome back to another episode of Plate Stack Chat. Simon is back with us. Simon, you clearly didn't have too much of us last time, so it's great to have you back around the Plate Stack again. Nice to be back. Uh, and Jason's here, but unfortunately, Sam remains ill. Although, you know, just to give you a little insight into the production, the, the production mastermind of Plate Stack Chat, we actually recorded on the same day. So don't be worried. Sam hasn't been ill for weeks and weeks, but just wanted to kind of. Uh, put that out there so there's three of us it's a different three to sometimes but simon it's great to have you back looking forward to getting stuck into this topic yeah absolutely so the topic this week actually um want to build on something you mentioned kind of when we were chatting last week around kind of like motivations but we generally just kind of talks around like what keeps us kind of going back into the, the the gym is it or the box or whatever you might want to call it you know is it your own discipline your own motivation or is it the fear of of your uh uh, compatriots in in the gym kind of calling you out for not being there as the case is, is for Jason but Simon one of the things you mentioned was around like what you found kind of getting into into kind of functional fitness into CrossFit was that like you kind of take it out of the box and you mentioned specifically like nutrition right in that it it brings in other parts of the jigsaw you know there's mobility there's recovery there's sleep there's mindset there's all the normals then there's all the kind of actual physical skills of crossfit but you really mentioned nutrition i think that's a really good one to get into because i think it's probably the one that most people start to think about when they start kind of taking their fitness that little bit more serious yeah i think it's it's so essential isn't it i don't know about you boys but particularly like the older i get the more i realize if i eat rubbish i feel rubbish i think rubbish you know mental health is rubbish emotional health is rubbish can't really deal with stress can't really deal with stressful situations you know if my sleep's not right and my food's not right i just basically function horrendously before you throw in anything to do with fitness before you throw in anything to do with barbells or burpees or anything like that so yeah i've had to learn a lot I, I definitely notice it a lot more. Actually, the first time that I got into kind of like really start to understand nutrition from a kind of like performance, actually just from a health point of view, but it was at CrossFit Bath. I actually did healthy eating challenge, which was like October, 2014. Um, and it was, I joined Bath in like January, 2014. So I'd been doing it like 10 months, right? And they did a healthy eating challenge and it was an eye opener to me, but I did kind of go like, maybe a little bit too far in that it was like cut out or I, I used to be like a bread pasta pizza carb heavy and like I didn't have lean protein because it was expensive you know I spent like 10 years as a student right so you know I was like kind of like, you know if I could avoid expensive food groups then, then I would but it was it was definitely an eye-opener do they still run those kind of like healthy eating challenges at Bath well obviously in the last year not so I mean hmm. I, I think it's adapted a little bit to being a bit more something that's a bit more sustainable. I think the problem with the challenges are people, you know, anyone can deprive themselves of a certain amount of sweet things and certain foods for 28 days. If there's a chance that you're going to win a prize or something at the end, but, but what you'll find is people kind of go to extremes to, you know, to win. And then, when they come out the other side, you know, they're actually worse off because they, they're not that they haven't created new habits to follow. They've sort of done a challenge and then they shift back to, to before the challenge. Whereas now I think there's just a lot more general information being mm. fed throughout about how to, and, you know, like Fen is, you know, she, she's very on top of all of that. And, and she helps, she's helped a lot of members with their nutrition. 
um, and also um, Nat, who's mostly at the bridge now, but he as well got. A, I mean, I think even today he put out a post on on Instagram all about nutrition, just breaking down, you know, why you need certain foods to train and what you know what it's doing for you and and, and all of that. And it's all great, and I know it all, and I am absolutely horrendous at following any kind of <laughs> guide for nutrition. Um, I I absolutely know it's my weakness, and and to be honest with you we have tried really hard this week um not because i knew about this podcast just coincidence and yeah i've felt a lot better for the last two days of it and annoyingly it's like dramatic change <laughs> over two days of, of eating a lot better but you know i've got kids in the house so there's always sweet snacks and things yeah. lying around the house sleep doesn't happen anyway so you know I'll, I'll definitely come back onto that because that's something that you hold over us is like having to feed little mouths as well as your own. Um, but I think it's definitely the case that there's a lot of information out there. Most facilities, most boxes have either someone with a nutrition certificate or maybe even someone who's like got more advanced qualifications in, in nutrition. And it's something that they kind of like offer in addition to the kind of programming to the coach classes, like Simon, I know you've mentioned it a little bit when we've spoken throughout the last year that you started to kind of think about your nutrition a little bit more, like, have you got into it through like the athlete center or is it something you've sought in it like separately? No, I, I guess it was kind of connected to the athlete center. I mean, in, in terms of just the fact I was doing more sport and then I found as I was doing more sport and I felt like I was getting fitter. I still wasn't necessarily getting stronger. Actually, I'll tell you what a big turning point was in terms of the amount of calories I was eating was that paired competition that we did and um, with, with the barbells and stuff. Like I remember doing that and thinking like I felt fit, like I felt like I had more to go, but I was just getting weak. And I was like, uh, and I kind of reflected after that and I was like, hang on, wait a minute. I know I'm never going to be like, you know, setting any records doing CrossFit, but I know I'm feeling like fitter. I should be getting stronger. So it was quite soon after that. I forget. We had someone on Fuel What Matters. I think it might be Mike Malloy of M2PM Nutrition. I think he's quite a big nutritionist, but he came on and he was talking about like, you know, the damage of caloric, calorific deficit. And I kind of put two and two together. I was like, well, am I actually eating as many calories as I should? And I was like, I must be. I eat loads. So I got a macro tracker, you know, just that basic like little fitness pal app or whatever you can get. And I thought, all right, let's just, you know, I'm, I was like, I'm not going to be one of those guys who starts counting macros. And I, I haven't become someone who does that, but I did put in like all the food that I eat in a day, which I thought was a lot. And then I realized like for what I need, for what I do, for my height, for my job, I'm a teacher. So I'm like constantly moving around. Um, I'm quite a fidgety person. So like, I'm always like tapping my foot or like tapping my hand. So that will like raise my, 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 my basal rate, whatever it's called of the amount of calories. But anyway, it comes in that I need on average about 3,100 calories a day. So I'm like, I am perpetually. So at this point I've realized I'm, I'm perpetually in a calorific deficit of about 800 calories oh wow <laughs> yeah and it was and and then i looked at the macro breakdown of that well okay what what is skewed and essentially like my the carbs i need 
because because then you can put in the ratio you need like what do you want to do well i want to build strength and muscle mass and the carbs i need was so low and actually my fats and my protein were, were too high so not only was i in like calorific deficit so i wasn't getting enough anyway but then the stuff i wasn't getting enough of was too skewed in the wrong direction so you know, I, I changed that. I made some differences. I started eating more in like really sensible ways, you know, real targeted snacks and without doing anything. Cause then we went into a, you know, we went into like the November lockdown. I found myself getting stronger mm. and I'm finding it hard now to eat as many calories as I need in the day. Now we've gone back to work properly. And I definitely feel like my strength has dropped off a bit, but it's still maintained. And like, I just, just knowing that, just knowing how many calories you need in the ratio you need them, I think is the most powerful thing you can do. Because if you know that you're going to end up making healthy choices. Because mm. if you know you hardly need any fat, you're not going to eat like a Wagyu beef burger every day <laughs> because you're looking at the amount of fat in that and you're going to make healthier choices because you have no choice, but to make those healthier choices, if you want to get the ratio, right. So there's something in the macros, but I, I don't know. I mean, the average person doesn't need to obviously be counting everything that goes into your body, but it's a, yeah. yeah it's, it's just a starting point, I guess, isn't it? A bit of information yeah. is power. Like you, you, until you did that, you didn't know that you were in such a caloric deficit because you didn't, you'd never really looked into it caloric deficit what was i calling it calorific deficit is i don't know is it caloric calorific no you're the scientist mate it must be caloric i mean i've got a c in science gcse so i mean (laughs) i think calorific caloric i think they're probably two it's probably there's probably some atlantic ocean in between the two i think i don't know but i think you're right touching on like the that little bit of information to get you started because i i think that's the the biggest the biggest issue around nutrition is just like misinformation or misleading information or a lack of information or information supporting an agenda of a company that you don't realize is behind this. Uh, And like you're saying, like not taking in enough carbs. I mean, for so many people, carbs are evil, right? Like you shouldn't be taking in any carbs. Of course you you don't want to take in carbs because everybody knows that's bad for you. You shouldn't have them, but you need them. (laughs) Like there's a reason that you take them Mm. in. Uh, But if people are just getting kind of, information from one side and you know taking that as gospel and like oh well that must be true i need to follow this but having that idea of well actually what do i need because even that you know that diet that you've been looking at that might be working for that person that is in a very specific situation Mm -hmm. and that's fine but that's not your situation so what's going to work for you Uh, and you do need to get either help or use an app or or something and yeah you don't need to then necessarily track everything every minute i've tried i've done it in the past like with my fitness power tracking everything and it is if we're honest it's just a like a big inconvenience isn't it that's the biggest issue is just kind of like eating something it's it's fine if you buy one thing and you scan a barcode it's when you've got to like break down an entire meal that you've made and try and scan every item that you put into that that pot yeah. and uh, and work how, it out how much red onion was that i don't know my wife hates it when i ask her that <laughs> <laughs> you're tracking your red onion intake no i'm not i'm not i'm not tracking anything and i'll get into that in a bit like you know in terms <laughs> of trying to find find the right space but um one of the things that i guess both something you were saying then simon around like struggling to get in enough calories now that you're back at, 
at school teaching, right? And that's definitely something I was thinking about is that you got to do a lot of, so we're in complete polar opposites. I'm still working from home. So there is just food readily available as long as the fridge is stocked. But I find that I need to prepare so that I eat the right stuff. I guess for you, you need to prepare so that you can grab anything at the right time just to kind of get 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 the food in like you know so that you're not say in that kind of uh, 800 cal deficit oh yeah I, I food prep everything but i do that also because it just saves so much time during the week like you know i'll, I'll get like you know a, a 10 pack of chicken breasts or whatever or, or a side of salmon mm. and then cut it up you know salmon and sweet potato and apples i know that sounds crazy but don't hate it until you've tried it if you listen to this podcast cut up a load of sweet potato fry it up with apples it's amazing oh nice yeah yeah it's brilliant um yeah that and like um yeah side yeah well i say not an entire side of salmon but you know a a portion of the (laughs) side of salmon that goes with it um yeah and it's it's awesome i think i do struggle probably to get my greens in but i'm definitely on the on the vitamins train getting vitamins in every day and Jason, you were talking about having kids and stuff like, you know, I, I always like the, the the stereotype people talk about is that kind of like, you know, obviously, first of all, you make sure your kids are fed, clothed, you know, got everything they need. Are you often then finding that you're like just having a snack while making sure the kids get their kind of their food? No, <laughs> no not, not at all. Um, I don't know how it works. Rick. <laughs> actually, I, I think the I think the bigger issue is things like like food prepping, you know, everybody food preps, right? Like every weekend, my phone is flooded with images of people food prepping. And it's, we just can't like the amount of food we'd need to food prep for the four of us just makes it such a task to do, you know, people are like, oh, you put in one tray and then you've prepped your food for the week. And I'm like, no, no, because that one tray is like that four meals. That's great. That lasts you four days, but that lasts us, I would say one day, not really, because, you know, Emily's only two, so she doesn't eat that much. But, like, that's that's kind of one day of food versus four mm. days of food. So you need uh, – so you just kind of have to prep so much food. And then where do you store it? Yeah, you need a commercial I, oven and two fridges. <laughs> and then, you know, children are – I mean, not all – like, Emily will eat pretty much anything. Uh, Harvey's a really picky eater, and he, you know, sort of – he's got a few things that he, you know – you want to try and incorporate more foods into their diet and help them. But then at the same time, sometimes you just need to make sure they're going to eat. So you've got to, and I mean, when I say he's got foods, he's like, we're not saying like, oh, he will only eat McDonald's or something like that. Like his all time favorite is uh, pasta with pesto. Like he just loves pesto. I don't think I knew what pesto was when I was seven, but he is a connoisseur of pesto. If you give him the wrong one, he's not happy. So that I would say is sort of some of the, the, the challenges. And then, you know, you're, you're like, like Simon, you're, you're a teacher. So you're you know, on your feet all day. I, I work outside all day. So I'm like on my feet all day as well. And then at night, you know, we don't get like uninterrupted nights. So you've got that side of like what you need to fuel <laughs> as well. But again, because of like, oh, I've got to get out the door maybe for the school run or I've got to get out the door for work because I need to be there at seven. I find myself skipping breakfast very often um, and then maybe having a tiny lunch 
and then coming home and eating and then going and training at eight on the days that I work. So how do you maintain your strength? I mean, that sounds to me like you're eating next to nothing and you, you sound like you do a lot of training. I think, and this might have no scientific basis at all. <laughs> so guys, feel free to jump on me on this. I think it's the other day. So the days that I'm working, I eat very little. But then the days when I'm at home, because I kind of, I work like 10 hour days. So I sort of will work a day and then have a day off. Um, and I, so I, I li lived in Italy for, for 10 years, which means big lunches. So on a day when I'm at home, we basically have like our lunch is pretty much a dinner. And then our dinner is a dinner. Like it's a big lunch and a big dinner um, and probably a pretty decent breakfast as well if I'm at home. And I just feel it's like the days that I'm at home, I'm, I'm fueling too much. And then the other days, not enough. Your body's using it all up. What is yeah. it you do? Are you like, do you like do laboring and stuff? So you... uh, see, so I'm most, most of my time is like uh, reach and wash window cleaning. Yeah. So it's like, quite physical and, and in bath there's lots of uh lots of houses that you go around the back and they drop like three levels so i'm one of the few people that actually can say i functionally use muscle ups yeah. for my work because i have to like muscle up over a wall or onto a ledge or over a balcony so um, that is my expression of functional fitness right there there's you and there's burglars yes <laughs> i tell you what the divide between window cleaners and burglars is a lot slimmer than you'd think. That's a so, marketing yeah. dream for CrossFit Bath. Are you a window cleaner or a burglar? Come to CrossFit yeah. Bath. <laughs> one cleans windows, one clears out the house, right? <laughs> we put the cleans in cleans. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're wasted, Simon. <laughs> no, what am I doing? I'm in the wrong job. Uh, no, I think that you, uh, Jason, it's like you're describing there, like the 21st century, like hunter gatherer uh, diet, right? Where it's like, you know, you go for a day of like exertion while you're out kind of like hunting the woolly mammoth and then you spend a day eating it all the following day. Yeah, the, only, the only other thing I think, though, is that I, I guess as well, we perceive what's like good and bad regarding our diet and things like that and it's very and you kind of always will focus on maybe what you're doing very well or what you're doing very badly um but like i think with like, like you know saying with harvey eats far too much pasta with pesto he does not drink any kind of fizzy drink um he had and he you know he's seven now and he's still like if you offer him like coca-cola he doesn't want it he just re refuses it so I feel like there's that trade-off, right? There's, yeah, he's probably eating certain foods that maybe shouldn't eat too much of that, but he's not having loads of stuff that other kids are just having far too much of. Um, in our house, probably the thing that is drunk the most is water. Nearly everybody just drinks Noco. water. <laughs> I know, that's, that's an in-joke. It's not Noco. <laughs> I still have <laughs> cans of Noco that I won off of Freya. Um, this might be the last one, but they're still there. That's how much I'm drinking that. <laughs> that was maybe almost a year now. You need to write a book on parenting, though, if you've managed to get your kid to refuse sugary, fizzy drinks. I mean, I drink them. Not very often, but like I'll, I'll have them and I'll offer them to him and he just doesn't want them, um, which is great. But, yeah, we drink lots of water. And then I, I suppose, again, living in Italy, like you would drink a glass of wine with your meal very like very normal right 
so I, I quite often throughout the week will have a glass of wine, maybe two. But I never like go out drinking, drinking like I never drink heavily. And I feel like again, there's that thing. There'll be people like, "Oh, you're drinking in the you went, you did training, and then you drank in the evening. You've you've undone everything you did." And I'm like, "Yeah, but probably the damage you're doing at the weekend <laughs> compared to what I've done through the week. Surely the 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 balance of the scales is tipped more in my favor at this point." Yeah, and there's there's been all that research now, hasn't there? That's come out in all the papers that you have to actually drink, you know, in excess to damage recovery but the in excess is like three pints of beer or whatever. Like what we term as excess actually starts a lot sooner than we think it does. So, you know, a glass of wine, you're probably, probably helping your recovery in some respects, aren't you? You know, if it's good red wine, particularly. It always is. So I'm going <laughs> to clip this bit of the podcast. <laughs> I know one of the things I'm trying to do. And so you, you joked earlier when I said you're, you're tracking your red onion, but one of the things I've found over the last however many six years of like every, and I, I, I spoke to someone, I spoke to a nutritioner about it, a nutritionist about it recently, actually. It's like, I either feel like I'm on the wagon or the wagon is a spot in the distance and on the wagon isn't sustainable, but then like, I want to find the middle ground, right? So when I say I'm on the wagon, I'm like tracking everything, like, you know, making food from scratch, you know, weighing the amount of coconut oil I'm using, like just to the excess. And I see progress, but after, you know, the six weeks or whatever, I'm like, I'm so bored of this. And like, and then it just kind of like goes back to normal. So I like ping pong basically between two weights at about, they're about like, a stone apart and um what i'm trying to find now is like more like a relationship with food which is like actually the default is to have the right type of food so similar to what you were talking about like simon right is that like you know try and get the plate looking correct in terms of like getting enough greens getting enough kind of like you know good food but not to the extent where it needs to be tracked and i've found something at the moment that should work for that although i've with getting injured, which we talked about last time, I'm just a bit like, ah, screw it. <laughs> it's also the incentive to work out, isn't it? You just get to eat more. And if you like, if you like good food, then you will eat more of the good food. You know what I mean? But it's, you know, it's just not, it's, it's recognizing that working out doesn't mean you can then eat more of the bad food. I mean, it doesn't matter how much we work out, you know, we could smash out 200 burpees right now, but we still wouldn't even burn the amount that you would get from, a Snickers bar or something and and people don't get that and it's and I, I must admit and I I recognize I only think this because I've gone out of my way to learn it but the the biggest thing that frustrates me now as a result as a result of knowing about nutrition is when you still hear people say like oh we've been to the gym we've earned those three glasses of wine and a plate of mm. chips at the pub and I'm like well have three glasses of wine and play at the chips and you you might have done lots of things today that have earned you that but i'll tell you now your workout isn't one of them <laughs> it's yeah. like you know it's yeah it's just like you say it's just education and it's weird i'm right I'm a, I'm a history teacher i've been teaching cooking this year right because we've had a shortage of teachers at school so i've been teaching cooking and we obviously haven't been allowed in the kitchens because the because of covid and, and that sort of stuff when we have been in school so 
I've been given free reign to actually teach a lot of this stuff to year sevens and year eights and teach them about like macros and how they work and that sort of thing. And it's fascinating to see it changes their habits. You know, they're no longer spending their, their school dinner money on like packets of popcorn and, and fruit shoots. The lessons are having an impact probably more than any lesson I've ever bloody taught in 10 years of teaching. And <laughs> I think if we get more of this stuff onto the national curriculum at a younger age, I think we'll make a massive, massive change in the eating habits of this country because we've got to. And it's all preventative. We can chuck as much money as we want at the NHS. We can complain about the healthcare system, but until it, until we get people's education on this topic up to scratch and people making better decisions for themselves, nutrition and diet will lead to all sorts of problems for us going forward. Does that, uh, does that um, get into do that? Cause obviously history teacher, Oh, I'm, teaching cooking um does it inspire you a bit does it make you want to explore it more or are you like now we just need to hire a home economics teacher <laughs> uh, well we we have and we got we got some awesome uh home economics teachers at the school I work at but um no I, I definitely teach it again but the yeah what i've been able to do has only happened ironically because of the pandemic i think so i i think that the problem often is like it's just how well hidden stuff is right like i mean like sugar for me the the ease the easiest thing was to give up having sugar in coffee um because it was something about the act of like taking a spoon filling it with sugar and like putting that into my drink that i was just like well i i cannot do that right there's like a really easy step here is just i don't put that sugar in my coffee i still got my coffee there's no sugar in it but like a cake <laughs> that is calling to me I can't just extract the sugar out of that. Like that's, it's, it's that kind of completed product. And I guess we just live at a time where people 95% of the time are just taking that, that ready product, right? It's just whatever mm -hmm. is prepared, there it is. And they don't have that control. And because they don't see what's going in, they don't necessarily think about what's going in and the number of things that are labeled as like healthy or spun as being healthy but are not it's no one you know it's no wonder that that like yeah just the joe joe public doesn't get it and then as you said if you actually sit someone down and talk to them and explain how it works and like how many calories are in this and you know how many calories you actually burn on that treadmill for an hour at the gym today and, and how these two things do not balance, uh, then yeah, maybe there will be a change, but uh, it's a lot of people that are going to start attending your cooking classes, Simon. That's the only, the only downside. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely in that situation though, where, um, you know, there is that then like my wife and I both say like, Oh, we love, we, we, we like to go to the gym because we like eating, but typically it's not eating bad food. It's not like we've been to the gym. Let's go to McDonald's on the way home. It's like, we want to eat good food. And I definitely find that is that when my, when I feel my training is on point, normally my nutrition is on point. And Sam, you mentioned it at the beginning, like if you're eating well, you're feeling healthy body and mind, right? I just feel like I can take on that world a little bit more. And then the thing for me is like, almost like taking that first step and then it perpetuates and like get into the right habits. So uh, that's, that's, that's what I've kind of learned over the, over the years. It doesn't have to be perfect, but it's just intentional yeah true oh awesome well i i was uh, i think it was a good topic to cover we all bring different kind of uh 
experiences with it that's for sure and uh you know jason it's admirable that you operate on uh on what sounds like such a, a a small amount on very heavy days but people do that right different diets work for different people and i guess that would be the disclaimer here none of us are nutritionists we're talking about our own experiences but uh i've enjoyed it so gents great to talk to you again what's uh what you what what you up to for the rest of uh what you looking forward to in the next kind of few days I was about to say, and uh, on Fuel What Matters, we got Emily Rolf on this week, but actually this episode will be going out a week after we've had Emily Rolf on For What Matters. Yeah. And I've got no idea who's on Fuel What Matters this week. But uh, well, no, What I was going to say is I realised that you know we introduced you uh, on the last episode as uh, the, one, of the, one of the hosts of Fuel What Matters UK, but obviously we should plug that again. So when people listen to this, they will be able to head over to Fuel What Matters UK and listen to the a recent episode with Emily Rolf and a host of other episodes with some amazing uh, athletes and individuals from uh, around the CrossFit space. So, yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Check that out. Yeah, I need to get both you boys on actually. Um, yeah, because Jason, I want to unpick a little bit more about oh, no. living in Italy for <laughs> 10 years. That sounds incredible. All right, yeah, okay. Well, yeah. I'm taking the kids to the safari park. That's <laughs> my weekend. Is that hey. Longleat? That's Longleat. Yeah, we're going to break in our annual pass that we bought. For, so it'll be the first trip. So uh, expect to hear many a stories of my trips to the safari park because that's what I'm going to be doing for the next year. <laughs> nice. I watched a, a TV show the other day, Chester Zoo. Never been to Chester Zoo, but it looks bloody awesome. They've got like 14 giraffes. I'm like, that almost sounds greedy. So I kind of want to go and uh, check that out. <laughs> it's a place to be. And I'm also doing far too many interviews with people for the uh, British Teens and Masters Championships. That if anyone listening to this hasn't signed up for yet, there's still time to sign up for the uh, the qualifiers and then top six in the different age divisions will be in Southampton. So um, for the, for the finals. And if you want to know what some of the athletes are doing between now and then on my Instagram, there's probably posts to, I probably repost everything I put up. So um, you can go there maybe and, uh, and meet some of these. It's, it's really hard though. Cause I'm speaking to these teens and these masters who are either much younger than me and much older than me. And both would absolutely destroy me in any workout that we take on. So it's a, it's a humbling experience. Awesome. Well, like I said, it's been a pleasure. I feel that was like one of the longest end rolls we've done. But like I say, there's uh, three podcasts being represented here. So there's plenty going on. But it's been a pleasure to uh, clash mics with you both. And uh, do enjoy the rest of your week. You too, Tom. Cheers, mate.